Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies, and I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. It is Liz here, and thank you for tuning in. Also, thank you for all the love I got from last week's episode. You guys really liked it. It was all about boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. And I wanted to say thank you for all of you guys who wrote me and DM'd me and shared the episode. It really means so much to me that you guys are listening and engaging with the topics and making changes in your own lives. So I just wanted to say how meaningful it is to hear from all of you. Today is kind of an exciting day. I am actually celebrating almost two years since I worked for someone else. It's funny because even though it was two years ago, right? So kind of a long time ago, I'm still waking up on Monday mornings and thinking, thank goodness I don't have to go into work today. Even after two years, I'm still so revitalized and excited and grateful that I don't have to give my energy to this place where I was working before. Recently, this has come up for me again because I wound up having dinner with someone who I used to work with. So now that In New York, most people who I know are vaccinated. It's been really nice to reconnect with people who I really love, who I haven't seen in, you know, over a year since this all started, sometimes even longer. So it was really, really so wonderful to see an old friend of mine. And she is one of the most brilliant people that I know. If you look at her background from a pure resume standpoint. And as we know, resumes are not everything. They're just a tiny, tiny portion of who we are and what we're great at. But if you look at her objectively, her LinkedIn profile, her resume, you would think, wow, this person has it all. They have worked at all these world-class organizations, gone to such an incredible school. She's been promoted over and over again. And you would look at her and say, wow, this person is exactly the type of person who we want to hire. She's exceptional. She's extraordinary. And that was not what she sees in herself. And during dinner, she was telling me how unhappy she is at the job. So this is the same place where I used to work, where she still works and has been for a little while now. But she just said she did not have it in her to leave. She just didn't have the confidence And didn't have the belief that she could leave and go somewhere else. So I started digging into this with her, as is my way, because I am a coach and I can't help it. And I started digging into these beliefs that she has about why she won't be able to find a job somewhere else and why she's not capable of getting a job that she really wants. After a few minutes of this sort of line of questioning, where I was working with her to dig deeper and deeper she finally said, you know, I think it's just me. It's all internal. I am telling myself that. And after our dinner together, I couldn't stop thinking about her. I couldn't stop thinking about how this wonderful, remarkable, talented person 
was keeping herself so small and how for years I did the same thing. I can completely resonate with her. I can completely understand where she comes from because for the longest time, I also kept myself small. I didn't let myself believe that I could have the success that I really wanted and that I could do work that was in my zone of genius. I just couldn't let myself believe that. And even now, here I am two years later, having quit that job that was holding me back and keeping me small. And I find that I am human and I still do it to myself sometimes. I still keep myself small. I still prevent myself from reaching my true potential and my true zone of genius. So what we are talking about today is this act of keeping ourselves small. Why do we do it? Why do we keep ourselves small? What is at the core of this desire to be smaller? What is at the root of our avoidance of reaching our full potential? And then finally, what can we do about it? So the first thing I will say is that I owe a great debt to this book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's a book that I first read, I don't know, probably about six years ago. I own multiple copies of it. I've given it to tons and tons of people I know, and I reread it all the time. I probably reread it once every year or two. This morning, right before recording this podcast, I decided to go back, reread it, do a deep dive because the topic is so apropos to what we're talking about today. So a lot of the vocabulary and a lot of the ideas that I will be referencing come from this book. Again, it's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. So just know that I'm encouraging you to pick up this book. It's a really short, powerful, punchy read, and it is incredible because it helps give language to this experience that we all have of keeping ourselves caught in a pattern that keeps us small. The first vocabulary item that I will bring up is this idea of the upper limit. And what the author says is it's called the upper limit problem, the ULP, upper limit problem. And the upper limit problem is essentially that we all have a joy and happiness set point. It is a threshold at which we feel comfortable with the amount of love abundance, and success in our lives. And when the circumstances of our lives start to butt up against that set point or that threshold, we start to become really uncomfortable. And we do things to self-sabotage so that that joy threshold reduces and goes back down again. And put into more simple terms, It's this idea that a lot of us don't know that it's okay to feel okay. We don't have permission to be happy all the time. We don't have permission to feel like we're in the flow constantly. And so when we're feeling like things are going too well for too long, then we do something to mess it up. This sense that it's not okay to feel okay can come from some limiting beliefs that we have carried with us since we've been young. In the book, Gay Hendricks proposes four different barriers to letting ourselves be in the upper limit. 
So I think he calls them something like personal barriers. I call them limiting beliefs. I think a lot of people use that terminology. And for the sake of the podcast, we will call them limiting beliefs here. So these are beliefs that limit you, right? They are beliefs that tell you that you cannot be more. They're beliefs that tell you that you should not be more. And they are beliefs that tell you that you will not ever be more than what you are. They are these outdated, archaic ways of seeing the world that we need to go in like you're weeding a garden and literally pull them out by the roots so that they don't grow back again. So let me tell you what they are. Number one, the belief that you are fundamentally flawed and that you don't deserve what you have. I think sometimes people think of this also as imposter syndrome. I've definitely experienced this when things are going really well. You think to myself, oh, they can't be going this well. What? Something is going to drop. The other shoe is going to drop. And in my own life, probably the best example I can think of is when I met my husband and we started dating and I was really, really scared. And I started picking fights with him. I was looking for reasons why the relationship wasn't going to work. I was convincing myself out of being in love with him because at the end of the day, I didn't really feel like I was fundamentally capable of being loved. And I went to my therapist and I was explaining an argument that I had had with him where I was really upset with him. And she just said, Liz, you need to stop this. You're sabotaging this relationship. He's a good guy. He cares about you. Stop doing this. You're going to ruin it. And it really hit me. I was self-sabotaging because I was afraid of getting hurt again because I had been hurt so many times in my life. I didn't believe that I was worthy of someone who could love me so much. So I thought that there must be something wrong. The number two limiting belief, number two reason why we keep ourselves small is feeling that your success will mean that you are disloyal and abandoning where you come from. And this limiting belief can come from somewhere in your childhood where you started to believe that there were unspoken rules that you had to follow to be a part of your family. You are likely to feel like your own success means that you're leaving behind your family or you're being disloyal to them in some way. And so this guilt, when you do achieve success, can make you actually sabotage yourself, make you pump the brakes and hold you back from the ultimate success that you could actually enjoy if you didn't limit yourself in this way. And I'll give an example from my own life. I have been much more monetarily successful than anyone in my family. I actually grew up on food stamps, in Section 8 housing. We were very, very poor. And as you guys know, in the US, it's really hard to break out of that cycle. And for a lot of reasons, which I won't go into here, my brother and I had really different paths. I wound up going to college. He didn't. I built a career for myself in the tech world while he continued to work hourly jobs at restaurants. He worked at Target for a while. And we had really different experiences. It got to the point where our lives were like on opposite ends of the socioeconomic spectrum. And I really didn't think that it was his fault in any way. And I felt like 
I didn't deserve what I had, that I had just gotten lucky because here he and I were growing up in the exact same circumstances. And I had a few more things break my way than he did. And as a result, I wound up with a much more comfortable, secure, and fulfilled life. But for many years, I think I subconsciously held on guilt about this. And so I felt like the way to deal with that was to be miserable. And so I always felt like I needed to complain about my job, complain about my work. I felt like my job was destroying me, that I was living for it. I was sacrificing so much to have the success. And in that way, we could still be on the same page because even though I was more monetarily successful, we were still both unhappy and still both connected to this really tragic childhood that we had had. Number three, the limiting belief that keeps you small is believing that more success means more burdens. So you have somehow inherited this idea, whether it's from your family of origin or from society or from the culture that you grew up in, to believe that success is actually a bad thing, that the more you have, the more problems you'll accrue. I don't necessarily have this particular limiting belief. I think that we all have a couple that we (laughs) are pretty firm on. My biggest one is the first one, which is that I have a fear or rather a toxic limiting belief that I am inherently unlovable and fundamentally flawed. So that's really the big one that I've been working on. So this one, number three, believing that success means more problems and that success brings burdens I can't really speak to it as much personally, but what I will say is you should ask yourself whether or not growing up, there was a dialogue in your family about people who were too successful. Was there any sort of criticism or negative talk about people who were rich, people who were successful, people who were famous, people who seemed too happy? Was there anything that you picked up from your childhood growing up that made you believe that success was actually a burden? If so, that might be the primary limiting belief that's keeping you small right now. Okay, so then the final last one, the fourth limiting belief that we'll be talking about today is that you should not shine too much because you don't want to make the others around you feel or look bad. There's this belief that you have that basically tells you that you can't expand to your full success because if you did, it would outshine a certain person in your family or in your community or your group, and it would make them look or feel bad. And thus isolating you from them, not having anyone who loves and cares about you. This is actually a really common one for children who are naturally gifted or talented, whether it's at school or in the arts or in a hobby or singing, whatever it might be. But a lot of times these kids who show a real natural talent or affinity early on, they get a strong subliminal message from their parents that says, don't shine too much. Don't be too good because you'll make others feel bad or look bad. And sometimes it can even go as far as that kid the one who's gifted, being accused of stealing attention from the other members of the family, 
Or, you know, you get the message from your parents that they don't want you to be better than them. They don't want you to outshine them and thus eventually make them look bad or even leave them. And so something that kids do unconsciously is they start to turn the volume down on their gifts so that others don't feel threatened about it. Or the other option, the other thing that kids do as a coping mechanism is they continue to shine. They continue to let their talents be used, but they turn down the volume on their enjoyment of it. And the idea is that if they can appear to be suffering, they can get empathy and sympathy from others instead of jealousy. And I think that that is part of what I did when I was achieving success in my career was if I could seem miserable, then other people wouldn't be jealous of me. Rather, we could continue to have that bond and that connection where we could empathize and relate to each other. Now, I'll quickly recap those four common limiting beliefs that keep you from becoming your full successful self. Number one, I am fundamentally flawed and I don't deserve to have success. Number two, if I achieve success, it means that I am abandoning and disloyal to my family of origin. Number three, success brings more burdens. Success brings more hardship and trouble. And then finally, the number four limiting belief is If I am successful, it means that I am selfish and outshining someone else in my family and making them feel bad. The thing about these limiting beliefs is that they're subtle. They're often subconscious. They infiltrate all these different aspects of our lives, but we're often not even aware that they're there, right? If you had asked me five years ago when that number one belief was at play where I would think to myself, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Consciously, I would say, I do deserve it. Why don't I have success? But what we're talking about is when these beliefs are so hidden, they're so beneath the surface that they are able to completely run our lives and to dictate all our choices and our decisions without us even realizing it. And so what this takes is some real digging deep. And so re-listening to the portion where I'm describing these limiting beliefs and asking yourself, did I hear anything like this when I was growing up? Did I hear messages that told me that either I wasn't good enough and I wasn't deserving, or I was being disloyal, or I was outshining people, or that my success was a burden? Whatever it was, track back to the stories, the ideas, the conversations that you were exposed to when you were young. And even think about now the stories that your family perpetuates and tells themselves over and over again. Okay, so now let's talk about how these limiting beliefs actually keep us small. What are the mechanisms that do that? There are a few, so I'll start off with number one, which is worry. So have you ever noticed that you're feeling really good, something amazing has just happened, and then suddenly you find yourself thinking about all the worst case scenarios that might accompany it? And just to use that example from earlier, when I was falling in love with my husband, Dev, 
I suddenly had all these worries about our relationship that prevented me from just being present and enjoying his company and enjoying being in the relationship. And it was because I was keeping myself small. I was afraid to be hurt and I didn't want to let myself feel the joy and the excitement that comes with falling in love because it was so scary. So instead of letting myself feel that excitement and that wonder, I replaced those feelings with worry. And there we are. That's the upper limit problem. I had hit my upper limit of how good I could allow myself to feel. Instead, I reduced that feeling. I knocked myself down a few pegs by filling my life up with worry. Okay, now number two. Number two is called deflecting. And it is so common that most of us hear it multiple times on a daily basis, whether it's coming from ourselves or from someone else. And essentially deflecting means that you are stopping the flow of joy and positive energy from coming into your life by avoiding it all together. I'll give an example of this. Have you ever said to your friend, hey, you look really great in that sweater. I love that sweater on you. What a beautiful color. And then your friend says, oh, this thing, I hate it so much. This is like the oldest, most disgusting sweater I have. I just threw it on. Okay, so that makes everyone feel bad. It makes the person who got the compliment feel bad because they're not even letting themselves receive it. And it makes the giver of the compliment feel bad because they noticed this nice thing that is not being received by the person who they wanted to receive it. Here's another example that you may hear in the workplace sometimes. So let's say someone just gave a presentation on your team and you go up to them and you say, hey, Sally, you did such a great job on that presentation. And then Sally says, what? No, I ran out of time and I had to leave all the best stuff out of it. It was terrible. I did such a bad job. And then you say, oh, no, but even if you didn't get to cover all the material, people really liked it. They were really paying attention to what you had to say. And then Sally says, well, yeah, maybe they're paying attention just because there's nothing else to do today. We had snacks during the meeting. So you can see that in both these cases, one person was trying to give another person a compliment. They are trying to beam positive energy and positive light onto another person, but then the receiver of that compliment basically just shuts it down. They don't allow that warmth, that light, that energy to be received in any way. This is something I really, really pay attention to now. I try never to block or deflect that flow of positive energy. So if someone ever gives me a compliment, I just say thank you. And I try to really, really mean it from the bottom of my heart. And I think that's actually why all the messages that you guys have been sending me about the podcast and about the Instagram account really mattering in your lives has really resonated with me because I let myself truly, truly feel each of those positive comments, even if it's small, I take at least 30 seconds to a minute to really let myself feel what that means. So I want to encourage you guys to do the same. Start to notice anyone gives you a positive compliment. Do you deflect it? Is that your default? Ask yourself, am I keeping myself small? When I get a compliment from someone, 
Am I purposely deflecting it in order to crimp the flow of joy and positive energy into my life and therefore keeping myself smaller than I should be? The next ones are blame, criticism, and arguments. Have you ever noticed that you might pick a fight or get angry at someone right around the time when something good is happening in your life? So maybe you just got engaged and you decide to get into a giant fight with your partner, or you just moved in with your best friend, but then you decide to blame her and get upset at her about the way that she didn't break down the boxes. So just starting to notice if right after something good happens in your life, If there's a fight, a disagreement, an argument that comes your way, or if you start to feel feelings of anger or blame towards someone else. And we know that we're hitting the upper limit problem when it's always something good that's happening that's quickly followed by something bad. So just keep an eye out for that. The next one is getting sick or getting hurt. So these are essentially health things that we do to prevent ourselves from feeling at our upper limit. I definitely experience this. I know that I feel best when I'm not eating gluten and dairy and that I have much more energy. I'm more creative. I feel really great in my body. My skin is really clear, but sometimes when it's been too good for too long, I'll just totally break down and have a sugar or cheese binge, which is not good for my system and makes me feel so bad, makes me break out, creates all these problems. And I feel the cycle where I'm not used to feeling so good in my own physical body that when it starts to happen for too long, then I immediately start to knock myself down a few pegs. So are you doing this too in some way? The next one is about integrity breaches. So integrity breach is lie, a broken agreement, or withheld truths. So we see this happen all the time with politicians. So think about Bill Clinton. When he was finally elected president, the economy was doing really, really well. Everyone liked him. He was super popular And then he went and had an affair with Monica Lewinsky. And he did it in a way that was going to get him caught. And we've seen this story play out over and over and over again with people in prominent positions, people whose jobs are about their moral compass, and they just blow it. They do something totally crazy, like Elliot Spitzer. I mean, there are so many to name that it almost seems like not an exception, but a rule that you can see people in powerful positions hitting their upper limit problem because they are not used to having that much success. They can't handle it. And so thus they totally blow up and they self-sabotage in a pretty crazy, insane way that gets them kicked out of office. And finally, the last one that we'll talk about here is about disappearing. So zoning out completely when things are going really well, when you're really happy. Do you ever find that you start to watch a lot of TV or you start to party too much? You start to drink too much or using drugs that you normally wouldn't want to that much or you're smoking too much weed. But regardless of the mechanism, 
what the behavior is, is that you can't handle that much joy and that much positive energy in your life. And so you remove yourself from it. You tune out using substances or activities like watching TV, whatever it is, but you are drowning out and tuning out the flow of positive energy that is normally flowing in your life. So those are the activities. (laughs) We call them upper limiting. Are you upper limiting yourself? What I want you to do is pay attention to all the moments that may pop up in the next few days where you're feeling really good or you're really happy, something good happens. And then almost immediately afterwards, you start to worry, you start to blame, you start to get into a fight with someone, whatever it might be, something happens that knocks you off of your feet, out of that happy, joyful feeling, and back into the zone of fear, worry, and stress. So I want you to notice when you're doing it and to try something different. So here is a new approach. The first thing you're going to do is all about noticing. You're just going to notice that it happened. You're going to notice that you're upper limiting yourself. You'll see that there was a moment of joy or happiness. You were feeling really good. And then quickly that came crashing down with another event, another fear, or another thought. And so you're just going to notice and you're going to say, oh, I might be upper limiting myself here. Maybe I'm butting up against my upper limit problem. And then the second thing you're going to do is try to let go of any negative feelings, right? Just put them to the side for a moment, whether it's worry, anger, blame, criticism, whatever it might be, just set it aside briefly. And then you want to ask yourself what positive new thing is trying to come into being right now? What is this happy, positive thing that is supposed to be entering my life, but I I am blocking by upper limiting myself. And then you'll usually get some sort of sensation in your body or in your intuition, but you'll know what it is. And just allow yourself to feel that deeply for as long as you possibly can. So it's pretty simple, right? Notice that you're upper limiting yourself Decide that you are not going to do that anymore. Retrain your focus and your awareness onto whatever positive feeling or sentiment was about to come through and then let yourself feel it. So maybe it's happiness. Maybe it's gratitude. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's presence or excitement. Go back to that initial feeling and let it complete itself. Let it follow the course that it is meant to take before you started to self-sabotage and upper limit yourself with those behaviors. It's really important for me to be very clear and very direct with you guys right now. It is your birthright to live in a state of continuous joy. It doesn't need to be a novelty. doesn't need to be the exception to the rule doesn't need to be a once in a blue moon type situation where you allow yourself to feel really good. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do magical, magnificent things in order to feel consistently good. You as a human deserve to be filled with joy and positive energy every single day. You deserve to be riding 
an upward spiral of positivity and joy. And all of this upper limiting stuff, it doesn't have to happen. These limiting beliefs that you don't deserve to be successful and joyful, that you can't always be happy, that success is actually a burden, whatever it is, whatever these limiting beliefs are for you, they're not true. They don't have to be there. You can pull them up by the roots and remove them right now. And you can live in a state of continuous flow and continuous joy. And it's honestly kind of like riding a bike. It's very, very tough at first, but then once you get the hang of it, it's actually easy, right? It's like second nature to you. And then you never forget how to do it. But these initial first couple of weeks where you're training yourself to notice when it is that you're pulling yourself out of joy, when it is that you are letting your upper limits get the best of you, when you are succumbing to the upper limit problem and you're worrying or you're blaming or you're deflecting in order not to feel good, in order to prevent yourself from feeling good, just notice it, stop doing it, and pretty soon it'll become a pattern. Because what the world really needs is for every single person to be their biggest, baddest, most joyful, most alive selves. That is how we make change. That is how we impact other people to make change. And that is how we make the world a better place. The world needs you to be unapologetically you. The world needs you to be big. The world needs you to be loud. And the world needs you to be happy and joyful and fulfilled. So I would love for you to embark on this experiment this week and to tell yourself that you're not just doing it for you, but you're also doing it for everyone around you because you are setting an example of what it means to live big and to live with joy. That is all I've got for you today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in. And if you liked this episode, please remember to rate the podcast or review it. It helps other people like you who also want to create richer, happier lives to find the podcast. So as a reminder, as we always say, remember to love yourself, to listen to yourself and to say yes to life. So life can say yes to you. Thanks so much, guys.